right, all right, all right, all right. Day 223. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see our Sales. All right, so we're in the book of Daniel today. Starting today, we are in the book of Daniel, and uh, we are well into the exile, right? The exilic period where the people of God were taken into exile by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army. And so, uh, the book of Daniel, jumping right in, fam, uh, is about Daniel and his three other friends, right? From the Israelite uh, tribes of Judah, right? They are part of the royal family. Their names are Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. They have been taken into exile by Nebuchadnezzar and the main point of the book listen the main point of the book the book wants us to know as readers as believers as those who uh, walk with the Lord um, is that uh, we as God's people are in exile and we can live faithfully in exile right and at the same time it wants to tell us how God is sovereign he is the sovereign Lord over all the kingdoms and rulers of the world, right? And so this book is uh, has a very simple division, even though it's not uh, very simple to interpret. First six chapters include history. It's the history of these Jewish exiles. And then seven through 12 is going to be these apocalyptic visions uh, that will unfold in the last days, according to my man, Daniel. All right. So the book starts off <clears throat> this way. It says, in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him, along with some of the vessels from the house uh, from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. Um, it's interesting because it's very subtle, but it's very uh, good, very subtle. Daniel is getting a lot done in this very little space. Now, what the ancients <clears throat> thought was that a military defeat or siege uh, or conquest meant that their God had defeated the other nation's God. So uh, if just from the naked, looking with the naked eye, you would think that Babylon's God was superior to Yahweh. But here Daniel shows that Yahweh, listen, gave Israel over <clears throat> to Nebuchadnezzar, right? Rather than uh, an ancient deity of Babylon like Marduk or something, uh, uh, being the cause of all this. God is saying, no, no, I'm the cause <clears throat> of all of this. God has control over those who are in control. He has power over those in power. He is sovereign. Uh, he is the sovereign ruler of the world. And so they take Daniel and his friends, right? And they change their names, right? So many of us know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that's actually their pagan names, right? Their their names were changed, right? By these Babylonian kings. That was a sign uh, that they had, in a sense, uh, taking you captive, right? And so um, they changed their names. And uh, it says this, it says um, in verse eight, it talks about how they're already feeling the pressure. Hear this, feeling the pressure of the surrounding culture it says this in verse 8 daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank so he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself literally the text says he set upon his heart not to do this why well remember uh that israel had been given these laws called the torah right they had been given the first five books of the bible and daniel emerges as a leader and speaks up for his people say fam no no, no i get y'all want us to eat all this food but that ain't how we get down where i'm from chief that ain't how god has told us to live right i have to obey the food laws of abstaining from certain foods that were ritually unclean because of my fidelity to the lord and the thing is, what we learn here is that we 
have to resist, right? Assimilating into the culture around us when it means we would disobey the God above us. And that's what Daniel is saying here. And that's what this book is going to get at over and over and over again. And what happens because of this, listen, God gives him favor, right? In the very next verse, it says God gives him favor. And the thing I want us to remember, fam, and we tend to forget when that pressure, when the cultural pressure is on, is that God rewards faithfulness and obedience hear this even when it means you're in the minority right even when it's not a lot of people walking in the same way god still rewards this says god gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind so chapter two comes and nebuchadnezzar's you know, begins to have these dreams, right? He was unable to understand what they meant. Now, this this story is going to parallel a ton to the Joseph uh, story. And so uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, has these dreams. He summons magicians, mediums, and sorcerers, and they're unable to tell him what it's about. They're unable to do it by their occult practices, magic, and all that kind of stuff. Now, in the ancient world, you have to remember that dreams were a form of revelation. So they believe that um, uh, when, when you had a dream, it was a way that the gods or God spoke, right? Uh, Numbers chapter 12, uh, for your reference, Joel 2 as well. Um, now, what the king is asking is so difficult, this is verse 11, uh, that no one can make it known to him except the gods whose dwelling is not with mortals, right? Nebuchadnezzar threatens, hear this, to have his people destroyed and all of their other wise men in the palace, uh, including Daniel and his friends, because nobody can tell him to dream, right? So he's just this uh, beast, power-hungry dude that uh, if you don't if you don't have his way, he's going to make sure you don't uh, see the light of day, right? And so Daniel hears, he says, yo, Nebuchadnezzar, Nah, I got you. Like, let me do it, right? And so he goes back to the homies, right? Um, Hananiah, uh, Ezra, and Mishael. Uh, he tells them to pray for him, right? Concerning this mystery, they pray. The text says the mystery was then revealed to Daniel in a vision at night, and Daniel prays the God of heavens. Now, the concept of mystery is very, very important in the book of Daniel. Mystery is not something that is weird, that is hard to understand. Mystery in scripture is basically something that uh, was once hidden and has now been revealed. So what Daniel is saying is that Yahweh is the God of revelation. He is both directing the course of history like a producer that writes the script. And yet at the same time, he is the one revealing the interpretation of the lines, right? He is the one who gives wisdom and reveals himself to his people and to the world. He is, there is no other God like him and so he interprets the dream and um nebuchadnezzar nevertheless uh the dream uh is really weird right it has a lot of imagery remember it's apocalyptic so again it is about uh all it has all of this uh imagery and um uh, 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 uh things that need to be interpreted and so it says a colossal statue appeared the statue tall and dazzling was standing in front of you this is uh, daniel talking and its appearance was terrifying the head of the statue was pure gold its chest and arms were silver its stomach and thighs were bronze its legs were iron and its feet were partly iron and partly fire clay so each piece of the statue represents an ancient kingdom the head was babylon the chest and arms was the medo-persian empire the stomach was uh and thighs was the greek empire and the legs and feet is rome now remember i've said this before uh this is literally the um marching order of ancient history like literally babylon was in power the medo-persians come in power then the greeks then the romans come in power and what he's going to say is this is this stone is going to come and it's going to destroy this small stone will come and destroy this large statue and daniel is going to pick depict the fall of all of these kingdoms before the fall of all of these kingdoms right so he's ex going to prophesy that these kingdoms will fall because of this small 
stone. And the small stone represents the kingdom of God. Listen, God's kingdom comes into the world. It is much more unassuming, right? It doesn't come with outward uh, glory and uh, uh, power that is, is, is visible to the naked eye, but it still triumphs over the kingdoms of the world. In other words, um, God comes in the most unlikely way and does the most least likely thing. Right. And you and you remember King Jesus comes on the scene, Mark 1, 14 and 15, uh, Matthew chapter four. He's like, no, 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 the kingdom of God is at hand, fam. And this is at the time of the Roman Empire. And so man, it's so amazing because Jesus is going to bring the kingdom of God. And you see that his kingdom is still here reigning in power. And none of these kingdoms even exist in the same way anymore. A small stone takes down this big statue. The small stone uh, represents the kingdom of God. And in many ways, chapter two is going to be the template for the later chapters. All right. Three and four. Got to get through these quick. Tom is uh, take uh, running out from us. Chapter three comes. Very familiar story. Right. Nebuchadnezzar erects this golden statue. Many believe this. The golden statue is the statue of himself. Right. Why? Because in the last uh, vision, the golden head represented Babylon. And so this is a statue of himself. And he tells everybody to bow down to it. He is a very prideful, arrogant man. But but Shadrach, Meshach, and uh, Abednego, they don't compromise, right? They go and they're like, fam, we're, we're, we're not, right? It says, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, uh, replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then we can rescue, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. As a result, they get thrown in the fire, right? Refusing to bow down to the idols of the age can result in persecution. We learn this in this text and we know, listen, we know how much our hearts believe the God of the universe is how much he's really worth, but how much we are willing to give up for him, right? By what cost we are willing to pay to remain submitted and faithful to him and these men were willing to give up their very lives out of the fidelity to the lower god especially listen in the most hostile environment right where the pressure is insanely high and the temperature literally is insanely high they were willing to commit their lives to this god and they go in and the text says they're unharmed because one like the son of the gods was in there with them listen God is able to keep us through persecution, even if he doesn't prevent us from persecution, right? God is able to keep us through persecution, even if he doesn't prevent us from persecution. He always vindicates the righteous. And the reason he keeps us through persecution is because he's with us in the midst of it, right? I think that's what the story wants to say. Jesus is the one who is with us in the midst of it. And on this side of the cross, we fellowship in his sufferings right there's nothing you can go through that the son of god didn't go through right and nothing you can go through that the son of god can't keep you through as well final chapter of this bunch uh daniel four comes and my man neb has another dream and it says this there was a tree in the middle of the earth and it was very tall the tree grew large and strong its top reached to the sky and it was visible to the ends of the earth it leaves its leaves were beautiful its fruit was abundant and on it was food for all wild animals found shelter under it the birds of the sky lived in its branches and every creature was fed from it um and then 
after this, right? So the text says that, but after that, the Holy One comes and tells him that the tree will be cut down, right? And the one whom the tree symbolizes will become like a beast of the field uh, under the Lord. And so it's interesting um, that Daniel interprets and says that the tree is you, Nebuchadnezzar, right? That you will become like an animal. You are one who is big, who has all this power, um, but you will become like an animal in the field for seven years, right? And this actually happens in the text as the text unfolds. He eats grass of the field and lives among wild animals until he would acknowledge the most high God. The point here is simple that Daniel is trying to make based on the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. Listen, the irony is that when human beings seek to exalt themselves above God, they become less than human, <laughs> right? When, when human beings seek to exalt themselves above God, they become less than human. In trying to be more, they become less. In trying to become God, they become like animals, right? And this is very interesting because they are unable to have a sense of self-control without logic and rationality devoid of true worship and understanding of God. If you think about it on a very like practical level when people exalt themselves in that way they 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 act like animals right they they pounce on and take out anything in their sight irrationally right and this is what the bible is saying here and anybody that gets in their way is done away with by any means necessary and god says no no, no. like i humble folks right that's what i do god is going to exalt the humble according to the scriptures and humble the exalted right nebuchadnezzar exalted himself and so the lord comes through and humbles him right and that's the thing that uh daniel wants to get across to him he said no no, no. like you have to under your understand your place in god's world and in the kingdom that he is setting up in the world and that's why i love jesus right because jesus is the greatest king to ever live he humbles himself by taking the form of a servant, dying a criminal's death as a sacrifice for sin. And therefore, what does God do? Right. He raises him up with all power and authority as the risen king of the universe. He is exalted. Listen, this theme runs throughout the book and throughout history. God wants us to have humility, unlike Nebuchadnezzar. And he wants us or he he wants us to have humility and he wants to do the exalting. Let's pray. God, we ask that we will have humility before you, that we will recognize our place under you, God. We will recognize your place above us, Father. We pray that we will never seek to be above you because we become less than what we are. God, I thank you for your amazing mercy that you've extended to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that we will live faithfully uh, before him and for him.